Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy senior reporter, Hilary Milnes, and this week we're running a special series in honor of New York Fashion Week. And with me today is Celine Seman, the CEO of Slow Factory. Hi, Celine. Hi. So tell us a little bit about what Slow Factory is, because you have some exciting news and a a bigger role in New York Fashion Week than you usually do. But but give us a little background about uh, how you started Slow Factory and what your mission is. So Slow Factory started five years ago, sort of by accident. I was uh, a researcher and uh, working on open data. I know it doesn't sound very fashion-y, but I decided to uh, print NASA satellite images on silk scarves and uh, making them in a sustainable way. and it launched me into a new company that is now called Slow Factory. And um, it started off with a tweet. I tweeted, wouldn't it be nice to wrap yourself with the world and the universe? Um, and then people started really loving the the idea of archiving these images on silk scarves. It's a very classic um, format. It's very um, much like a, a European format, like Hermès would have a square scarf. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the each scarf tells a story and Slow Factory in the same way uh, each scarf tells a story and very quickly we became uh, because of the the nature of the photography we became very um, engaged politically I would say um, before even the the past elections um, the first scarf we did that was a bit more political was an image of Gaza at night uh, as seen by an uh, astronaut from space and we uh, he tweeted um it's the saddest image uh, that, that he has seen from space, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to print it and raise awareness about the Middle East and what is going on there. And we printed the word peace on it. Um, and the idea was uh, we wanted to inspire the overview effect, which is when you look at the Earth for the first time when you're ro- floating in space, you realize that we're all in this together and we're we're one with the planet Earth and us as humans. And very quickly, I started advocating for human rights and um, environmental issues uh, through the scarves that and each one would tell a story. Recently, we printed, uh, again, the Middle East, North Africa with the words banned, and it showed the seven banned countries that uh, the, the uh, President Trump has uh, decided to ban. And um, with each scarf, we're raising funds to support initiatives, non-governmental initiatives in the regions that we're printing uh, the images from. Mm-hmm. So it so really took off from there. And this was five years ago, as you said. So have, over those five years, I've been watching fashion. Does it feel like fashion is almost catching up to this idea of sustainability and political awareness? Um, you, you know, do you, do you find that being almost an evolution that's happening in the industry? Absolutely. I really think that uh, when I first started, not only was I an outsider because I came from um design but from a different background in fashion design and my background was more in computational arts and research. Um, I'm a director's fellow at the MIT Media Lab and I'm more of an advocate and a researcher and when I first entered the fashion industry I felt um, very much like an outsider again. uh, I felt like the fashion industry was 
very much avoiding anything political and avoiding anything that had um, a stand to take or anything activisty too activisty. In fact, oftentimes I would be invited to speak at conferences because what I was doing was very edgy quote um, and uh, people would ask me you know um, activist being an activist has such a bad connotation especially in the fashion industry because it's so uh, such a faux pas you know like fashion is about beauty it's about um, style it's about you know even Eva Chen recently just Uh, wrote on Instagram, people come to me for fashion, but today I'm going to be a bit more political as she was advocating for uh, something more political. Swing left, I think, was the, the, the thing she was advocating for. In any case, I think that in the past five years, we've seen a big evolution, a big uh, a change in the fashion industry. Uh, fashion brands are starting to be a bit more activist-y again, mm -hmm. um, uh, starting to take a stand. Brands have been... Uh, you know, asked to be more um, accountable for um, what they are doing, whether it's with uh, campaigns like where my clothes made or with uh, just generally the customer asking for more ac accountability from brands. Mm -hmm. And so do you think because of that, it's, it's customer led, does it feel like it's a trend? Like how does a brand sort of say like, okay, this is what the customer is looking for today in a brand. Let's do it without it seeming like it's just a little bit, uh, you know, opportunistic. With the internet, okay, with the information age, um, things have been uh, pushed to a certain limit. So, for example, we're seeing in the fashion industry that before this big um, uh, adoption of internet and especially after the rise of Instagram, we're seeing that trends have changed in a sense where before brands would dictate the trends or, or designers would watch some kind of underground trends on the street and then replicate them in their shows and then reimpose these trends on the runway. And we are seeing a big change right now where customers are defining what trends are, uh, bloggers on Instagram or independent Instagrammers or Instagram Uh, influencers quote uh, are, are defining what trends are becoming and I feel like the industry is slowly trying to catch up to uh, this kind of mm, change uh, let's say in the power dynamics of who defines the trends and what are the trends and in terms of sustainability I really think it's a trend that is being demanded from customers um, uh, customers are changing the way that they're consuming goods the way that they're buying and uh, and because of that they are demanding uh, that the brands become more aware um, and more holistic in the way that they're presenting products to them. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, on the subject of sustainability, do you think that progress has been made there in a in a positive way? That you think is is it moving in the right direction? Because I just feel like we hear so often, like it seems like an overwhelming problem. Um, but we've heard some some from brands and designers that are working to make their lines more sustainable, even if it is small progress. What, what do you think about the the idea that a lot of brands kind of say like, oh, it's it's too much to overhaul our entire business? Great question. I uh, I really think we should not um, get discouraged because if we do get discouraged, then we lost. We lost the battle uh, towards change. Uh, a small change, any any change a designer can make in their supply chain or in the manufacturing is a significant change towards a, a global goal. Um, when we are looking at sustainability in the fashion industry, uh, it is a need more than a want, and it has always been a need more than a want. And 
And what we're seeing recently is that this need is changing into a want. It's becoming what customers want. It's becoming the new luxury. And designers are um, putting in the efforts in changing their ways and changing whether the, the fabric that they're using, maybe producing more locally, maybe engaging with artisans, maybe creating a meaningful collaboration with uh, local artisans and so on. And not only because they want to sell more products, but because it's it's literally becoming more of an awareness that if we don't do that, and even a smallest change can be such a significant, powerful, impactful move in the global goals and the global community that we are looking at from a from a global international lens, that it is necessary. And we are. I, I really think that any glamorized efforts even if it's marketing is important mm-hmm. even if it's a company that's a little bit insincere about what they're really doing like like who <laughs> <laughs> well you you know you think of um like a, the big fast fashion companies and their green efforts those come to mind because it's i think it, that doesn't outweigh the the damage that their their companies do cause if even if they're like oh and we have you know solar powered factories in two of our countries Totally. I mean, it's uh, we demand we need to demand more of the the fast fashion groups, uh, the global brands, because of their impact. They are everywhere in every country. Their uh, profit is what drives their their growth, mm-hmm. and they every year they want to have more stores, create more products, and that is what clogs down the the environment. At, at the end of the day, any effort that they take is important, even if it is still in the realm of marketing. I know for some. Uh, and and you know having been now a bit more aware of uh, and and working within the sustainable movement working with um you know not only with brands but working with um uh, certification models uh, open data software that is tracking uh, from sourcing to manufacturing i see that a lot of brands are embarking on that road for many different reasons for risk analysis because there's a lot of child labor that they're trying to diminish the risk on there's a lot of uh, global goals from the un that are being imposed on brands and brands are being more proactive about it it's not enough i agree customers should keep on demanding more they should keep on being skeptical about their the motives of these global brands um but that being said it's very contradictory but we need to also um be aware that any change is an important change that needs to happen mm-hmm. and so you alluded to the the combined efforts of brands to work together towards uh, like a coalition. Uh, we talked about the Sustainable Fashion Coalition before. Um, do you think it's, it, but it's it, it's almost contradictory to what brands in fashion have done up until this point, which is work very close knit. They don't want to share their strategies if something's working. Do you think sustainability could be the one endeavor, endeavor that actually brings brands together and says, it's better if we work together to achieve this? Again, I will say um, absolutely in many ways because sustainability without transparency doesn't doesn't. There's no accountab- accountability. You know, you can say I'm sustainable, I'm ethical, but how do you prove it? You have to show what is it that you're doing. What is the supply chain? Maybe you up, you adopt something uh, like a transparency in pricing, like Everlane, and you show your you know the the way that the the pricing structure works that's some kind of transparency that is very new to the fashion industry as the fashion industry is known to being opaque is known to being 
selling a dream. Uh, there's a big mystery around how things are made. You know, before the campaign where my clothes were made, uh, people were not really inclined in asking, what is this made of? Where was it made of? Mm-hmm. And we are seeing a big change in culture um, and demanding more transparency. And again, I really think that it's influenced by the information age, the internet, and how the internet has changed every single industry. And fashion is just one of them in demanding transparency. Government has been, um, you know, challenged in towards transparency. There's open government initiatives. Uh, the food industry has been challenged, and there's a big push in the organic movement. And I think fashion is just at the brick of something wonderful. Uh, where we will see a lot more transparency, a lot more openness in it mm-hmm. that will drive it forward. Right. And so, and so during New York Fashion Week, you were, you've been talking about this. Um, tell us a little bit about your new, the, the, your new venture. It's called The Library. Is that right? So what, where, why did you launch that? What is it? So the library is a sustainable fashion archive, and it's essentially three things. One of them is an education platform where we launch uh, events, and we just launched a new series in collaboration with MIT Media Lab and the Ace Hotel that is on Wednesday, February 7th, where we're bringing together thought leaders, um, designers in the the industry, um, uh, researchers, human rights lawyers, astronauts from NASA, uh, uh, waste activists and, uh, and uh, waste reductionists. There's also um, a co-curator from MoMA that's going to be there um, and so on. And, and the goal is to discuss sustainability, technology and human rights under the lens of fashion. Mm-hmm. The library is also... Uh, a service uh, where we work hand in hand with global brands and we help them improve their supply chain. And we are also a brand where we actually create our own uh, zero waste, um, sustainable um, collections in collaboration with uh, material scientists. So the past collection that we've made is uh, in denim. It's a denim collection. And the denim is made with 19% recycled plastic bottles collected in Haiti with uh, our partner at the time, Thread International, and um, and American cotton. So it's 19% plastic bottles weaved with American cotton. Mm-hmm. And with that collection, we revived classics. We made a jumpsuit, a power jacket, a high-waisted jean pants, um, a mini skirt, mini short, and a little black dress, but in denim. And the idea was that the way that we approach uh, our brand with the library is through classics and iconic pieces because they are timeless and it's not about trends. It's about something that lasts, that will last over time. And we want to make them with a material that will also be uh, an, uh, an everlasting material. Either it's a material that's made from waste or it's an upcycled material like made out of recycled material mm-hmm. or it's a lab-grown material. Or it's a material that's biodegradable. So we have very strict rules on uh, what we are, what we use, and and uh, throughout that process, we uh, designed a new standard. It's called the sustainability standard, and it's uh, basically a certification when you work with a library because we take care from sourcing to manufacturing. We're able to certify the process and work hand in hand with existing um, certifications and essentially c- compatible and compatible ways the certification that we offer is a consumer facing certification which means it's um, readable it's a essentially sustainable literacy it's just explaining to customers what it is that we're doing so it's definitely in the same lines as transparency and when you look at it in the sense mm-hmm. and right now fashion is pretty much lacking something like that like a 
standard um, signifier that customers can look to, in, unlike um, what the food industry has for like organic organic produce and things like that. So it's is the goal to make it easier for the for the customer to know that they're buying from a sustainable brand. And so, what are your standards then for for brands that you want to work with, and and that could be certified by um, sorry the sustainable. Oh, the sustainable standard yeah, yeah. <laughs> sustainable standard simple yes uh, so we have less of um of cre- like for example we would we are willing to work with any global brand and af- af- actually the idea is that we would love to work with global brands because they are the ones that need the most help mm-hmm. when you look at uh, designers independent designers or or more of emerging designers they're already sustainable most of them are are either producing locally they're more they're more aware they're producing in limited limited quantities and so on they already have that at the heart of their companies we're not trying to disrupt anything in fact we're trying to improve existing models i think the fashion industry the way that the uh, the way that the process has been um, the industry itself has not been upgraded let's say uh, since it began because of this because of its opacity mm-hmm. and because of the way that brands work in silo from one another right. and the fact that we are uh, here with a clear plan and a clear strategy a process and um a replicable process that we've applied already on Slow Factory. We've applied also with a lot of partners that we've created throughout the five years partnership that we are ready to now take on global brands and working hand in hand with them and in, and uh, affecting their their sourcing, their manufacturing, the way that they're designing their patterns. Maybe also uh, what we are trying to in uh, what we are trying to create with brands is um, a recycling uh, program with them. So we will be able to collect the clothes that people are are not wearing and then recycling them effectively into new materials and so on. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you have your, your hands full figuring this out with the sustainable standard. Why did you decide to also launch a spinoff fashion brand, uh, especially when you consider wait, you can like all the materials you're using as sustainable as you can be, there's nothing more sustainable than just not creating more fashion. I'm sure that ran through your mind. So, so what, what was the, um, the purpose between behind the new, um, fashion brand? So the new fashion brand essentially works with global brands hand in hand. And the idea, of course, the best is not to do anything and not to get dressed and not to eat, but that's <laughs> all things we cannot do. Um, and the idea of, for us to create our own brand is because we wanted to create things that are timeless. It, we wanted to revive iconic pieces. That is essentially the heart of the library, is to working with iconic pieces and not working with trends necessarily and not just trying to recreate something that doesn't need to be recreated. Mm-hmm. There are people doing that and that is great because that is innovative on its own and it's pushing culture in its own way. But what we are trying to do is a little bit like preserving culture, if you want, and working with brands in instead of for them to remake whatever their classic is with a material that's going to hurt the planet let's work with let's work on it together and create it with a material that is actually either uh, dimin- like um, reducing waste or biodegradable or maybe it's a lab grown uh, material and so on and so we can push progress a lot faster through a brand like that mm-hmm. and and um, you know you're seeing it firsthand when you're designing it yourself in this in this sustainable way um, we're almost out of time but you know, if you were to say, like, what would be the the place to start if you're a, if you're a brand that needs to think more sustainably, um, 
it's obviously, as we mentioned, an overwhelming problem. Where do you think is the way in? As a brand, Mm -hmm. I think that is in how you're sourcing your material. Um, Of course, polyester is super cheap. You can buy it for very little money. But what if you went instead with uh, dead stock material? What if instead you up uh, upcycled, you know, um, vintage and turned them into another kind of uh, uh, fashion or clothing? There are other ways that we can also look at it. Uh, whatever you're creating, maybe you want to make sure it's biodegradable or the dyes that you're using are not, you know, hurtful for the planet. Maybe it's through collaborations. Maybe you want to team up with an artisan in a lo- in a country that creates something very specific instead of recreating it in the United States and being accused of cultural appropriation. There's a lot of ways that we can do as a young brand in order for uh, for the brand to be more holistic, more aware of its surrounding, of the politics around the brand, um, because everything is politics, you know, whether you're aware of it or not. And we've seen it since the last elections that it is there, you know, you just have to be aware of it. And in in the sustainable movement, it's also very similar. If you don't think about it, well, then you are just, you know, being uh, moving forward with whatever is oppressive to the to, to nature or to humankind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's so hopefully making a little bit easier one step at a time. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's not a easy road, but any any step you take is an important step. Any mm-hmm. step. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks so much, Celine, for coming in and chatting about this. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, and thank you for listening. Our New York Fashion Week podcast series will be running in a special daily newsletter. So get your coverage directly in our inbox by subscribing on glossy.co. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. A special thanks to Aditi Songol, the producer of this podcast. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher and leave us any feedback you have.